live in town, and I think you guys know that, so uh, I was uh, concerned about the roads, and apparently the roads are much better than I thought they were, uh, but what was really funny about this morning is Brother Eric, when he saw me, he greeted me, and he said, it was weird to schedule being on Puerto Rican time. <laughs> now, just think about what he just said. What he's saying is it was weird to schedule being late, right? So anyways, open your Bibles, John chapter 5, going verse by verse. Uh, we need the moisture. It's good to have it. Thank God for the snow. Uh, John chapter, may make the uh, commutes a little sticky sometimes, but man, we desperately need it, and uh, I'm thankful to get it. John chapter 5, and we're going to read uh, a couple of verses here and jump right into it. And uh, in regards to where we're at in John, I just want to remind you, actually, we're, we're going verse by verse, uh, but uh, in regards to context, in John chapter 5, uh, there's a man that Jesus heals, and then there's a challenge or a dispute to the person of Jesus Christ. There's a challenge or dispute. Um, basically, is he who he said he was? Now, uh, in discipleship class, for those that were just in uh, the last lesson for the older class, not the Tim Sean class, all right, you guys with me? All right, uh, not the younger class, but the older class, all right? Uh, what we learned is this, and I'm running out of room here, but basically during the ministry of Jesus Christ, uh, the real question and uh, the real uh, bugaboo for the Jews was this, is he in fact the Son of God? That was the question. Uh, it w- the message was not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Uh, and the reason for that was he hadn't died yet, all right? Uh, that becomes the message, but what it was on this side of the cross was, is he in fact who he said he was? And so there's this constant uh, challenge to that by the religious people of his day. Uh, and the challenge is, uh, uh, it, it, can he do the things that only God can do? Uh, and so because of that, what he does is he lists out the fact there are some witnesses for him. And we're going to walk through some of those. I'm not going to go through all of them ad nauseum. We've done a, a good job with John the Baptist, for example. But there's some other ones in here that are very important to pay attention to. Look at John 5 and look, if you would, at uh, verse number uh, 30. John 5, verse 30. I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. I know we've mentioned it before, I'm going to say it again. The only way you're ever going to have the right discernment and judgment in your life is if you let go of your agenda and get a hold of God's. Uh, and that's the problem that Christians have. They've got a preconceived idea of how God is supposed to work. I'm going to look at that this morning in the life of Jacob, but look at uh, verse 31. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. You know what Jesus was honest enough to say? what Muhammad was not honest enough to say, uh, and what other religious prophets were not honest enough to say, which is basically this. If all you had was my word, and there's nothing else backing it up, and there is no other witness, don't believe me, all right? Uh, and so, he, now listen, obviously, he's the creator of the universe. We understand that, uh, and you can go, Pastor, that almost sounds blasphemous. No, but I don't think it is. I think he's making a statement as if it was a courtroom environment, and you've got witnesses of an allegation or a crime or something like that. He's got witnesses, and he goes, look, it's not just me saying this. It's all of them. Uh, look at verse number 32. There's another that bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesseth of me is true. Talking about John, he sent unto John, and he bear witness unto the truth. Now, I like verse 34, and it may sound like a contradiction. Uh, it kind of does, because he just said, uh, John bore witness of me. Now, look what he says in verse 34. But I received not testimony from man. That sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? I got a witness from this guy, but I don't receive it. And yet he does. And yet he says he doesn't. Now, we're going to explain that in just a moment. And now, sometimes when you read your Bible, don't just blow through there. Think about what you're reading. 
All right, because in one verse, he's talking about the witness. He's talking about, uh, you know, look, if it's just me and just my mouth, don't believe me. I've got witnesses. Then John is one of them. And then he goes, but I received not testimony from man. Uh, and we're going to explain what that is all about. Look at uh, uh, verse number uh, 32. Uh, uh, no, no, verse 34. Sorry, but I received not testimony from man, but these things I say that you might be saved. He, John, was a burning and a shining light, and you were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. But, now, I've mentioned this, I think, last week. I'll say it again. Uh, one of the challenges in the Christian life is not just doing something for a season. You're willing for a season. You know what happens when people come to church? Oh, man, all this Bible. Oh, this is so good. Oh, I'll never leave. Oh, this. And then something comes up in your life where you go, well, I don't like it there. And it's like, well, there was your season. And, Christian, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, that's why the Bible says you are to preach, uh, as to preachers, in season and out of season. Yeah. When things are going well, when they're not going well. When, you, when God works the way you want Him to, when He works the way you don't want Him to. Uh, look at verse number uh, 36. But I have greater witness than that of John. I would say pay attention to that, because John is kind of a big deal. All right, For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. And the Father Himself which hath sent me hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard His voice at any time, nor seen his shape. Now, you know what Jesus Christ, uh, according to Colossians, is he's the, invi- uh, the image of the invisible God. And so when he says they haven't seen his shape, that's, a, that's an honest statement. They've not seen the shape of God. Uh, the closest they're going to come to it is the person of Jesus Christ, and he's right in front of them. Uh, the irony in that is uh, very similar to what you see with uh, uh, Jesus before Pilate, and Pilate says, what is truth? And just a couple chapters earlier, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And truth was standing right in front of him, and he missed it. Uh, look at verse uh, 37. The Father himself which has sent me had borne witness that you neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape. And ye have not his word abiding in you. For whom he hath sent, him you believe not. Talk about himself in the third person. Now look, let me just say this right now. If you talk about you in the third person, it's weird and creepy. Okay? If Jesus, the Son of God, wants to do it, it's all right with me. All right, look at verse 39. Search this. I mean, like, if I'm like, hey, bro, Joe, good morning. Bro, Joe's had a bad day. That would be weird, all right? <laughs> look at verse 39. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Brother Sean, would you ask a blessing on the word this morning? Amen. Amen. Now, I kind of threw out there a, uh, an apparent contradiction in the Bible, so I want to I address that. Look again at verse number uh, 34, but I received not testimony from man. I received not testimony from man. And it is kind of connected with verse 39, because he says, search the scriptures. And the reason why uh, that's connected is this. Uh, look at Romans chapter 3 real quickly. Romans chapter 3. And... Uh, I don't want to dismiss oral testimony. I don't want to do that because, uh, of course, we are to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. going to look at that. And the way that you witness is by your mouth. You, you are an oral witness of Jesus Christ. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. You ought to be. All right? Lifestyle evangelism by itself does not work. All right? Uh, people say, well, don't, don't, don't witness. You know, if, you're, if you've ever gone out passing out tracts or try to be a witness in public, someone's going to say, I just think some Christian, well-meaning Christian, 
When I say well-meaning, I'm just saying they're not well-meaning. They're under conviction that they're not doing what you're doing. And therefore, they get upset about it, and they go, well, you must be wrong, and I must be right. And that's the funny thing. Before you're saved, you get in a fight with someone, you knock a guy out at a bar. The next day, you get your arm around him, and you're singing the songs like you were yesterday. You get in a fight with a Christian, and it's game over. They're the devil, right? Because once you're saved, God's on my side, and the devil's on whoever's side isn't mine. Therefore, you're satanic, right? And, and so anyways, when someone walks up to you, and they go, I just think you ought to live it. You ought to live it. Okay, well, live what? Live the gospel. Well, it doesn't say to preach the gospel. Uh, you ought to have both. There, it's not either or, it's and, all right? You ought to witness for Jesus Christ, and you ought to be living it out, all right? So there's nothing wrong with an oral witness, but look at Romans chapter 3. I want to say verse 1, 2, somewhere in there. Uh, does it not say, what advantage uh, then doth have the Jews somewhere in there? What verse is that? Wow. Verse 1. Doesn't he say, much more chiefly to them were committed the oracles of God? Yeah. All right, well, what is an oracle? An oracle, oral oracle is something that is spoken from God, all right? And uh, look at uh, Matthew 17. Look at Matthew 17. Matthew 17. And we talked about this. On the Mount of Transfiguration, you've got a, a, a picture, a type of the second coming of Jesus Christ. And if you haven't really studied this out or you're just kind of getting into the Bible and you're kind of like, man, I'm not sure I'm following, that's okay. Uh, stick around. That's the point of church. Uh, if I went to a, a, an auto mechanic and they started breaking down for me the, you know, thingy-mabob broke down from the combobulator, wherever, you know, Steve, if Steve were here, he'd fix all this, right? And, and uh, uh, they were talking like that. I said, man, I wish I understood all this. I just don't know why I'm so stupid. And I, I didn't go to school for it. That's why I don't know it, all right? Now, listen, here's the difference between if you're a child of God. If you're saved, every one of us should be a student of the Word of God. Now, what God gives us is he gives us a local church to help facilitate that. But what I want you to get is this. If you don't get everything that's, that's talked about in Sunday school, take notes, go back and listen later, and hide it in your heart. You may not get it the first time, the second time, the third time. Eventually, it will make sense. I've had some of the young guys go, Pastor, how do you, you know, go from here to here to here? You read the Bible. Well, how many times? Just keep reading the Bible. <laughs> Everyone wants a silver bullet answer. It's, it's really simple. It's just not easy, all right? Uh, look at Matthew 17, look if you would at verse 1. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into an amount, a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, uh, notice Jesus doesn't talk to God the Father. He talks to Jesus. And you're going to see that the, the, the God the Father was there. You're going to notice this in just a moment. But he talks to Jesus. Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. And, I, and the way I picture it, I could be wrong, but I almost feel like Jesus is about to open his mouth, and the Father's like, I got, I'm tired of Peter. I'm, I, let me deal with Peter. You know, That's kind of how I see it. Look at verse uh, 5. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said... This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. Uh, and uh, let me just say this. Every once in a while, the Lord ought to show up in your life and he ought to scare you a little bit. And uh, you know what I love about this? Look at verse number seven. Uh, God is not so far away that he won't touch you and say, it's all right. We'll get this going. Let's, let's figure this out together. Amen. Uh, Jesus came by and touched him. Now, the reason I quote this is because of a couple of things. It says... Over there in John, they haven't heard his voice. Now, you could apply this one of two ways. You could apply this in this sense. You could apply it in the sense that they hadn't yet heard his voice, number one. 
Or you could apply it, look at John chapter number 12. Let me show you something that happens in John 12. Uh, John chapter 12. John chapter 12, and again, we're, we're going to get to the idea of him not receiving testimony from man. Talking about the Father's witness right here. Uh, and the Father does witness about him. Look at John chapter 12, and uh, look, if you would, at uh, verse number 28. John chapter 12, verse number 28. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven, saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people, therefore, now, now you say, what does that mean? Uh, glorify thy name. Well, the, the, the son is asking the father to glorify his name, but how's he going to do that? He's going to do it by giving testimony to the son. All right, look at verse number 29. The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it said that it what? Now, now, now let me ask you a question. They said it thundered, but there was a voice from heaven, and the voice is the father's voice, right? So what that means is this. When the father speaks from heaven... All right. Uh, oftentimes what mortal man hears, and I'm not saying every time there's a storm or thunder or something like that that God's speaking, you can take it that way. But what I'm saying is when they heard the audible voice of God speak from heaven, at least those that were there in John chapter 12, I'm not talking about the Mount of Transfiguration, but there in John 12, those that heard that voice, they heard as it were a voice of thunder. We're going to come back to that thought in a little bit. Uh, what, does that, what does that teach us? It teaches us this. Unless you kind of come in a little bit closer, there's going to be things that to you sound a little bit muffled, that don't make a whole lot of sense. And you may come to church once a month, and I, if you come, praise God, you come at all. I'm thankful. I'm not picking it. I'm glad you come once a year. I'm just saying, you may go, well, this isn't quite making sense. You got to come a little bit closer. You need to be in the three that went up on the Mount of Transfiguration. You want to get in with Peter and James and John to actually hear the voice of God. Because everybody else, you know what they hear? All they hear is thunder. All they hear is noise. Uh, Christian, if you want to get a little bit closer, you can do that today. You understand that? Uh, but that's completely on you. That is not on the Lord. Uh, he's done everything he can to bring you in. Now, uh, again, uh, he said there, look at 2 Peter chapter number 1, 2 Peter chapter 1. Uh, he says he receives not the testimony of man, and yet he talks about John the Baptist uh, being one of those witnesses. Now, 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, and uh, look, if you would, at verse number 16. Now, again, if all that you had, all that you had was people speaking. Now, this is the way the, the academia and uh, the, you'll, if you find clips of braying donkeys uh, talking about the Bible when they don't know what they're talking about, um, when you find videos of that online or you listen to people out in the world, they'll say things like this. Well, the Bible is kind of like telephone. Anybody ever play telephone when they were a kid? Some of you play Baptist telephone. You say, what is that? Prayer request. We don't gossip. We just have prayer requests. Amen. And so you, 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 you call someone, you go, well, I heard this. And then before you know it, it's like this huge thing, right? And that's not really where it started. Uh, and so it, I remember when I was a kid, you play that game in a circle. And by the time it's over, someone says something you're like, man, that is not what the first guy said. You, you, you thought you heard something, you added it to it. And, and by the time it gets around, it's a completely different distorted message. Now, why am I mentioning that? Because that's the way people refer to the Bible. They say it's like telephone. And they'll, they'll say to me, go, you ever play telephone? Yeah. Well, that's kind of what happened over the centuries, this and this and this. And this was cut out and this was cut out. And this was, it should have been uh, uh, translated this way and it wasn't translated this way. And, and it's a very circular uh, 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 thought because of this. What they're doing is they're skipping the fact that God didn't just speak. God didn't just speak through holy men. Holy men wrote it down. 
All right, now that's where it goes a step further. Step one is the oral application. Step two is the written application. He says there later in the chapter, study the scriptures. All right, a script is something that's written down, like an actor's script. All right, that's what a script is. An oracle is something that is revealed through speaking. And look at 2 Peter chapter 1, and uh, there's my Bible, I shouldn't leave that. Uh, look at verse number uh, 16, if we had not uh, followed cunningly devised fables, that's what people say your Bible is. When we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Why is he talk about uh, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in light of the Mount of Transfiguration? I'll tell you why. Because that mountain was a picture of his coming over here. After the tribulation, he comes down to establish his kingdom. Uh, look at verse 17. For he, Jesus, received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a what? Voice. Now look what it says. To him. From the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Uh, now, uh, there's a couple things there. Number one, uh, the voice comes to him. Now, you could, you could argue this. Did they actually hear everything that God said or was it just thunder and Jesus explains it? I don't know. They know this. They know God spoke. And oftentimes what you find in the Gospels and the ministry of Jesus Christ is he himself will say something to them and he'll go, do you understand this? And they'll go, uh-huh. <laughs> Typical men, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and like they have no idea what's going on. And, and, it, and they'll oftentimes say they didn't understand until after the resurrection. Uh, you know what I think is kind of unfair about the Lord and that whole amount of transfiguration thing? You know what I think is unfair? He tells him at the end of that thing, now don't tell anybody until after I've risen from the dead. Can you imagine they come down and like, all right, well, what happened, guys? And then like Peter's like, I can't say anything. I can't say anything. All I can say is law, prophets. You guys figure it out. Maybe Moses, maybe Elijah. I don't know. <laughs> bright lights. I can say bright lights. I can't tell you everything that happened, guys. I'm, I'm sorry. That's how I see Peter coming down from the mountain. But uh, that, that, that's an interesting thing. God tells him, don't say anything to anybody. Uh, and again, what you have there is you got two witnesses, the law and the prophets. And we're going to look at that again one more time. Uh, and then you got the voice of God the Father speaking from heaven. Now, why is that important? Look at Second uh, Peter 1 again. Look at verse number 18, and this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. The argument is, did they hear all the words or did they hear thunder? Uh, I, I, I'm going I'm to go with this. I'm going to say that they heard the voice and they heard words. That's what I'm going to go with, all right? Uh, I would say in John 12, it specifically says there that it thundered. It does not say that about their experience. I'm going to leave the text as best as, as I can as it is uh, Look and not read too much into it. Look at verse, uh, uh, let's see here. Uh, yeah, verse 19. Now, this is why I read all of that. He says, we have also a more sure what? Yeah, whereunto you do well that you take heed as into a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts. If you're not familiar with that, what that is is this. That's Christ in you, the hope of glory. All right? And that's one of the mysteries. Now, if you're here and you've never been born again, you've never been saved, you might be religious, maybe you're baptized, maybe even say something like this, oh, I believe in Jesus. Uh, understand this, and I don't mean this to sound offensive, but the devils believe in Jesus. They acknowledge who he is. Uh, it, it, it needs to go a step further. That's why the, 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 uh, the preposition, anybody remember a conjunction, junction, what's your function? Anybody know what I'm talking about? From the 70s, you know what I'm talking about? See, I'm, I'm 81, but I was right there, guys. I was right there. All right, so, so uh, schoolhouse rocks. Yeah, everybody's like, yeah. Okay, all right, so you know what this is? This is a preposition. So is this. Do you realize if you change one letter, it changes the context of an entire verse? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, Acts 16, 31. 
Why not just believe in? Well, sometimes he says believe in his name, but that's still a, a, a connected to this. All right, not just a matter of believing in Jesus. I believe in George Washington. I, I, I believe, uh, now, now don't, don't get upset when I say this, I believe in Adolf Hitler. He was a real person. I don't believe on Adolf Hitler. Are you with me? All right, I'm not trusting that guy for anything, right? Uh, and, and, so, and so here, what you have is you've got, you've got to understand that if you're going to get saved and you're going to be born again, you need to believe on. That means this, you're not trusting anything else but what Jesus Christ did for you. He died for your sins, he was buried, and he rose again. And you trust what he did for you on the cross of Calvary. He shed his blood to pay for your sins. And uh, it was an amazing thing. Uh, Friday night, had the college and career kids over and uh, talked to you. one young lady. She didn't have a Bible, wanted a Bible. Opened up a door of conversation. And it was like light bulb, light bulb, light bulb. And that's an amazing thing to watch, by the way. Uh, but uh, you know what she did? She believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, now the reason I mention that is because of this. Uh, when you get saved, you've got the day star arising in your hearts, all right? Now, you go, you go, what does that mean? Well, over in 1 Corinthians, go over there real quickly. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You've got Christ in you, the hope of glory, right? All right. And uh, someday, 1 John chapter 3 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear, it doth not yet appear what we shall be. Uh, and you need to be encouraged by that. You look at your life right now, you go, I'm a mess. I can't figure it out. I can't get over this. Yeah, well, just remember, you're not going to be there forever. Someday, someday, you're going to be in the image of Jesus Christ. It doth not yet appear what we shall, but we know this, that when he shall appear, we should be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All right? And so First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, and we'll come back to Second Peter in just a moment. And I promise this is not just pastoral ADD. There's a, there's a method to the madness here. Uh, look at First uh, Corinthians 15 and verse number... Uh, bu, 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 bu. Uh, I think we're looking at 41. 41. There's one glory of the sun, that's Jesus Christ. Another glory of the moon, that's, uh, that's the church, that's the bride of Christ. All right? And another glory of the what? And then he says this, for one star differeth from another star in glory. Okay? So all I know is this. Uh, when we get there, I'm going to know... Regardless of what exactly Caleb looks like, I want to know that's Caleb. Because he's going to get up here and go, where are all the board games? I'm like, no, no, brother. That's not, <laughs> that's not what heaven's all about, brother. That's not what heaven's all about. Uh, but, but seriously, one star differs from another star in glory. Uh, and, and now why does he say star? Well, uh, because of this, the entire time, what God's been trying to do since you got saved until, until the day of the rapture, he's been trying to bring Jesus Christ out of you and express that glory to the world. And you know what gets in the way right now? This little light of mine. I'm going to let it. Remember that? This little light. Hide it under a bushel. No. Well, you know what? You know what honestly is going on right now? You're hiding it under the biggest bushel in your life. You. And what has to happen is daily you have to die to self so you can get out of the way so that light can shine. And what he's referring to, go to 2 Peter chapter 1, is that someday that glory is going to shine forever. And uh, it's going to shine forever because Jesus Christ will not be inhibited by your flesh. I referred to Steon earlier. Brother, I was looking for you over here. You were over here. So, so crafty. All right. Second Peter chapter 1. Uh, look down again at verse number 19. We have also uh, a more sure word of prophecy. Now, he's talking about the scriptures. How do I know that? Look at verse 20. Knowing this first, that no privacy of the scripture is of any what? 
So when you tell someone, uh, this young lady said, well, I just, I don't know if I believe in hell. And very respectfully, it wasn't argumentative, it wasn't combative. It was just, my family doesn't believe that. And kind of, okay, well, let's talk about it. Do you believe in Jesus? Oh, I believe in Jesus. Okay, well, here's what he said. Right? And he said, he warned us about why do you do that? Because he cares about us, right? And and so you understand that the Bible, uh, when it's preached and, and taught with clarity, if someone doesn't like it, it's not just that's your interpretation. It's just you don't like it. Like, let's be honest about it. It's kind of like, hey, will I see you Wednesday night? I'll try to be here. Try to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> try to get your direct deposit set up. Try to get uh, your, your refund from the IRS. Try to, yeah, that's what I thought. All right. Let your yay be yay and your nay be yay, all right? Uh, but, but the idea is this, as it relates to this, he's talking about the scriptures, and he says they are not of any private interpretation. Now, what he just referenced is the voice of God speaking from heaven. That's oral. And it's powerful, and it's excellent majesty. That's, what, that's how Peter describes it. I'm not taking away from it. I'm simply reading it as, it, as it's written by Peter under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he says, imagine how glorious this is. Here's the problem with just a couple dudes hearing something and them saying, you have to trust me. The problem is, if it's not written by multiple authors on multiple continents over hundreds of years and thousands of years of time, you can say, this guy just made it up. But when you look at the scriptures and you look at the Bible and you realize, man, there's this guy over here, Job, and he talks about stuff that shows up in the book of Revelation. And you look at uh, uh, things that Daniel said and how they come to pass in the ministry of Jesus Christ. And you go, no way this is a coincidence. All right, look at, look at verse number 21. Now, why did Jesus Christ say, I don't receive testimony of man, and yet he witnesses John the Baptist being his witness? Here's why. Look at verse 21. For the prophecy came on old time by the will of man. You see that? It's kind of like being born again. Uh, it's not by the will. Of, it's not so much. You cannot make yourself get saved outside of coming through God's means. You understand? All right. Look, look at what it says here. Uh, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the... So really what he's saying is this. It's not that I don't count these guys. It's that if these guys were on their own and they were not inspired by the Spirit of God to preach what they preached, then I would not receive their testimony. When some, when, in other words, uh, he does not need, first of all, he doesn't need man's testimony. But if he's going to take it, if he's going to take a man's testimony, it's going to have to be by way of the Holy Spirit or he's not going to accept it. All right? Uh, you say, why, why does that matter? Well, it matters because of this. The scriptures are the place where you learn about Jesus Christ. You cannot separate learning the scriptures from learning God. Uh, I think there's some well-meaning Christians, some people that genuinely mean well, and they'll go, well, you know, you, you can you know, just kind of get to know God. Kind of get to know God. Well, how do you do that outside the Bible? The answer is you cannot do that. If you just try to get to know God without the Bible, you make a God in your own image. That, that's the problem all throughout the scriptures. When they deviated from what God told them, they would worship the wrong God. <laughs> and you may go, well, I'm saved, I'm born again, I'm going to heaven, I'll never do that. You can be saved on your way to heaven and be looking at the wrong gods. You say, how do you limit that? The way you limit that is you limit it by the scriptures. Yeah. I've heard people say, well, God won't put himself in a box. He absolutely does. Uh, look at Psalm 138. Uh, God doesn't put himself in a box. Yeah, he does. Sure he does. It's called the Bible. Now you go, well, if God's all-powerful, well, just hang on. Just, just Instead of making it up as we go, why don't we see what God actually said about it? Look at Psalm 138 and look at verse number 2. Actually, look at verse 1. I will praise thee with my whole heart before the gods. You know what David's saying? I realize there's all these false gods and these unclean spirits, and uh, when I go to worship you, they desire the worship, and I want them to know they're not it, you're it. <laughs> 
All right. Uh, Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy. You know what that is? Speaking the truth in love. That's what that is. You can't have love without truth. if You're going to have right love. Uh, and people won't accept your truth if you don't do it in love. So there's both are, ne- are needed. Now watch the end of this. For thou hast magnified thy what? Above all thy what? You know what he's saying there? My name means nothing if my word means nothing. Therefore, therefore, look, if you're going to learn about me, you're going to do it from the scriptures. You're going to do it in a place. I am thankful right now that whenever I think about, and by the way, when you start just kind of going down the road of infidelity, you have no idea how far that thing will take you. When you start doubting what God said, you will find yourself way out in left field. Uh, I was uh, uh, talking to Brother Tim this week. There's a man that debated Dr. Ruckman on, uh, on uh, whether or not there's errors in the, in the Bible. And uh, this is years, 30, 32, uh, 34 years ago now, 34 years ago, 1990, uh, and that guy, at the time, uh, that guy was a guy that would pass out tracts, be a witness for Jesus Christ. He was pastoring a church. And uh, you know what he's doing right now? He runs a guitar shop for the last several years. He doesn't believe any of the stuff he used to believe. And uh, you, you say, what's, what's he doing now? Well, he's been visiting a Unitarian church. Now, how do you get there? I'll tell you how you get there. By doubting what God said. And it all starts with, well, I believe God spoke it. I just don't believe you wrote it down. Uh-uh. No, no, no. See, if God spoke it and he didn't write it down, you can make it say anything you want it to say. All right? And, and so the, the, what, what you're seeing, go back to John 5, is you're seeing the Lord talk about the witnesses of himself. All right? Again, there's the prophets. And we know that uh, John the Baptist, to his generation, would have been Elijah. Went through all of that uh, last week. We went through... Uh, 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 again, when Jesus Christ shows up there at the Mount of Transfiguration and the three are there, Peter, James, and John, they see Moses and Elijah, a picture of the law and the prophets. And the Bible says in Galatians that the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Then we know the prophets also point us to Jesus Christ, but the prophets in and of themselves are not what make their testimony true. What makes their testimony true is they are speaking on behalf of God. All right. And and so again, he says, okay, I've got these witnesses. Uh, Look at uh, John chapter 5. And he mentions this in verse number, uh, I believe it's 32. Let's see here. John chapter 5, verse uh, 32. Yeah, there's another that beareth witness of me. There's John there. Uh, Look at verse number 36. But I have greater witness than that of John. Now, he goes on to talk about what that witness is. But before I kind of deliberate on all that, uh, look at Acts chapter number 1. Because this is connected, I promise you. Acts chapter number 1, so there's the prophets, there's John the Baptist, we talked about the voice of the Father, all right, and we're going to talk about greater uh, greater witness than than these, talking about uh, John the Baptist and Moses and Elijah and all that, Uh, but uh, look at uh, Acts chapter number 1, Acts 1, and this is right after the Lord just went, or is about to go up, excuse me, and the the instruction that's given to them, Acts chapter 1. And uh, look at uh, verse number uh, 8, verse number 8. But this is the last thing. Now, look, if you want to see what matters to someone, look at the last thing is that they say before they die, right, before they're gone and they're off the scene. And, and what's interesting is Jesus Christ has kind of two episodes that, that you could use this for. One is the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I'm going to tell you right now, if I'm hanging on a cross and I'm innocent, I'm not speaking those words. You know what I'm saying? Father, get them. You know what they did. <laughs> Amen. That's how I think. Don't look at you. You would do the same exact. So, oh, no, I'm like Jesus. No, you wouldn't. All right. 
Uh, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. All right? Uh, 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 he, ta- he says, Eli, Eli. He says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? These are some things you see, not just in the Son of God, but the Son of Man, both present in the person of Jesus. Uh, these are some things you see in his last. He says, woman, behold thy son. In his dying breath, he's, he's looking out for others. Woman, behold thy son. Uh, uh, John, behold thy mother. Right? I mean, uh, how about this? Weep not for me. Weep for yourselves, ye, ye daughters of Jerusalem. You say, what is that? That's a man who cared more about others all the way up to his death. That says a lot. His last words, you compare the last words of Jesus to the last words of philosophers, some of which were atheists, and boy, it's a night and day. Now, there's another uh, last will and testament. It's right here in Acts chapter 1. Look at verse number 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now, I'm not waiting for that anymore. The moment I got saved, I got the Holy Spirit. And if you're familiar with the book of Acts, uh, the Lord comes down on the day that the Holy Spirit uh, uh, comes down and fills those men and permanently indwells those men because that was the promise that Jesus made before he died on this side of the cross from John chapter 14 to verse 16. You know, he tells him in the Gospel of John, we'll get to it later, he says this, he says, the Holy Ghost which is with you shall, which, uh, shall be in you, all right? Uh, they had the Holy Spirit working with them in their ministry. They could not have done the miracles they did without that, without the presence of the Holy Spirit, but they did not have the permanent indwelling of the Holy This is why when someone says, like, oh, I wish I could have been there in the, in the days of the apostles, or I wish I could have been there during the ministry of Jesus. Look, I'm, yes, I understand what you mean by that, but I'm, I'm kind of glad to be on this side of the cross. Like, I've got a lot more going for me on this side than they did over there. I kind of like where we're at. Uh, but notice what he says. Uh, the Holy Ghost is not given so that you can express your power over other people. The Holy Spirit was given to us. Look why. Look at verse number 8. And ye shall be what? Uh, look at the end of the chapter when they're talking about replacing Judas. Look at Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Look, if you would, at verse number uh, 21. Wherefore, of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John, unto that same day that he was taken up from us, must, must one be ordained to be a what? Witness uh, with us of his resurrection. By the way, if you ever watch TBN or you ever uh, you know, kind of get into some of the, I would just say more charismatic leaning type ministries, what you'll find is a lot of times they'll have people in the church that call themselves apostles. You can't, that doesn't work, guys. And the reason why is they're, they're all Jewish men who were there from the time of the, uh, of the uh, baptism of John where Jesus is baptized there all the way up to, the, to his, uh, not just resurrection, but his ascension back up. Now, there's an exception to that. I'll give you one for, for at least one. There's more than one, but I'll give you at least one, and, and it's Paul. You say, who is, who is Paul? He says, I'm one born, and we talked about his apostleship, one born out of due time. All right, he's, he's got a supernatural dispensation. We kind of look, look at Paul and kind of keep in his own category over there. But I want you to notice the reason the apostles were ordained, all right, and keep, uh, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Second, this is not in the notes, but we'll make use of it. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, I want you to look at this word. We did this on Wednesday night, but I want you to look at this, all right? Post, apostle. You know what they are? They are one that is sent. All right, you know what you are? You are one that is sent. Now, you're not an apostle. You're not an apostle, but you are still one that's sent. You say, how do you know that? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, look at uh, verse number, well, the context is kind of given in verse number 1, but look at verse number 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and look at verse number 2. Doesn't he say there uh, that uh, ye, you Christians, are our epistle? You know what that is? 
You know what an epistle is? It's something that's written. It's a letter. And it kind of looks, it's kind of similar to this, isn't it? Epistle, apostle. You know what it is? It's something that's written for the purpose of being sent somewhere. All right? Ye are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. You know, you know what that's saying? You are like a, a book. And the world is reading you. And I ought to read, man, this person reminds me of someone named Jesus Christ. And, and so, yes, this was, a, this was something given to the apostles in their ministry specifically in regards to the apostolic gifts. And we'll talk about that later because it does testify close to the, the witnesses for Jesus. But I want you to get a hold of this. You are also a witness of them. All right, when we talk about uh, all the different witnesses, you got the prophets, John the Baptist, the apostles, God the Father, the works that Jesus did, and we're going to look at that in a moment. But you know what else? You. <laughs> You're a witness of Jesus Christ, or you ought to be. I'll say it this way. You are whether you realize it or not. You can be a good one or a bad one. All right? Uh, I'm sorry, Wizard of Oz. Are you a good witch or a bad witch? <laughs> are you a good witness or are you a bad witness for Jesus Christ? Because uh, you, you're going to be a witness either way. All right, and, and, and where it ought to come from is from your mouth, and it ought to be coming from the Word of God. All right, now uh, look, look back at John chapter 5, John 5, and we're talking about the greater works than these, or the greater witness, excuse me, of these, and then Jesus references uh, the works that he did. Now, guys, because we started late, we're going to run it to 11 o'clock. Uh, we told Sunday school teachers that as well, and we'll start the morning service a little bit late as well, about 10 after. Uh, John chapter 5, look if you would at verse number uh, 36. For the works, now now you may not, maybe grammar wasn't your thing, uh, but when you see a colon like you do after the word John in verse 36, that colon basically says what, what I just said, I'm about to explain with the following statement, all right? So he says greater works, or greater witness, excuse me, than that of John. And what, what, what is the witness that's greater than John? For the works which the Father hath given me to what? By the way, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. I wish some Christians would get a hold of that. Like, you know, doing, I love it when someone goes, man, you know, they come to you with a problem. Pastor, what do you think about this? And go, okay, well, you got to do this. I did that. You did that for one year of your life. You've been living like a sinner for 40 years. All right, give God some time to work, all right? I love the testament of Jesus Christ because he says, it is finished, right? Uh, look at verse uh, uh, 37. Uh, and the Father himself, which has sent me, hath borne witness of me. So he goes on talking about the Father's witness. But before he gets to that, he says this, The works that I do, they are the ones that testify of me. Now, why does that matter? Because the, the whole context of all of this is, is he or not the Son of God? Is he or not the anointed of God? The, 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 uh, I'm just going to give you guys, you guys know this about me. I'm not a big Greek guy, but... When you transliterate Christos, in the English, you get Christ. You say, what is that? Anointed. Or you say, what is that in Hebrew? Messiah. All right. Now, look at uh, Daniel chapter number 9. Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. And uh, look, if you would, at Daniel 9. Down at verse number 21. Yea... Whiles I was speaking in prayer. See that, Miss Cindy? Whiles. See that? Daniel was a southerner. That's all right. Yeah, amen. <laughs> Whiles. Whiles I was speaking, I'm just picking on Miss Cindy. She's like, leave me alone. Uh, Whiles I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation, and he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill 
and understanding. All right, if you want skill, you get it from the Lord. Uh, look at verse 23. At the beginning of thy supplications from the, com- the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Uh, Daniel and John the apostle are very closely connected. There's, that's one more reason why. Uh, Daniel's called greatly beloved, and John is the beloved disciple, the disciple whom Jesus loves. you find that over and over in the Gospel of John. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. Seventy weeks are determined. I'm not going to break all this down. I just want to show you one thing out of this this uh, very deep prophetic statement here, verse uh, 24, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to what? Anoint the most holy. Well, uh, people argue about what the most holy is, or I think the context kind of leads you to believe, capital H, it's Jesus Christ. All right? And so, well, when, when was the Spirit of God? Now, in the Old Testament, when, when someone was ordained to be king or ordained to be the prophet or the priest, uh, what the person that, w- that was leading prior would do is they would lay their hands on them, and oftentimes they would pour oil over their head. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And that oil is a picture of something. That oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. So let me ask you this. When was Jesus Christ given the Spirit? Well, when you go over there to, uh, uh, the Bible says it's given to him without measure. Uh, when you read uh, Matthew 3 and you read the testimony of John the Baptist baptizing Jesus, what happens in that moment? The Holy Spirit comes down on him like a dove and lights upon him. You say, what is that? That's the anointing. So he was already anointed. All right. He doesn't even need to argue with these people in John 5. He is for their benefit trying to show them, you don't want to miss out on me. Because I am the one. <laughs> I am the Messiah. I am the Christ. All right? And, and so when you read in Daniel chapter 9, what you're reading about there is something that takes place before the cross. It's something that takes place before the triumphal entry. It's what takes place, Matthew chapter 3, at the baptism of Jesus Christ uh, there at John the Baptist's baptism. All right? So uh, those works point to the fact that he is the Messiah. That's the argument. Look at Matthew chapter 10. So what does he tell his apostles to do when he sends them out? Uh, Now, if you rightly divide the scriptures, and we've talked a lot about that recently, and I know some of you are in discipleship class, you're getting that all all the way around, but when you rightly divide the scriptures, what you learn is this. Uh, The message that they're preaching on this side of the cross has to do with the kingdom coming. And so his anointing to be the Messiah, all right, not just the Son of God, but the Son of David, because that's who he's promised to come through, all right, uh, is connected with a message about a kingdom. And it's a physical kingdom with physical blessings in a physical land, with a physical king on a physical throne in a physical city. You guys with me so far? All right. And so that kingdom, we understand, is not going to come down until Jesus Christ comes back after the great tribulation, after the church and all that stuff. What they did not know back then was that very thing. They're waiting for it right now. And I know I've shown you this before, but even after the cross in Acts chapter 1, they're asking, is the kingdom going to come now? Is the kingdom going to come now? Is the kingdom coming? All right. And so the reason I'm pointing this out, look at Matthew chapter 10, is the works that he did. What did he do? Well, he raised the dead and he cleansed the lepers and he gave sight to the blind. All right. Look at Matthew chapter 10. So what does he tell his apostles, the ones that are sent to go out and preach before his death and resurrection, before that happens? uh, What are they going out to preach? Look at uh, Matthew chapter 10 uh, down. Well, we can start toward the beginning of the chapter. Uh, Verse number, that's not the right chapter. Uh, Yeah, verse 1. 
When he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them what? Power. Power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. And he gives all the names of the, of the disciples. And look at verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not in the way of the Gentiles, and in any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go, preach, saying, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. It's not what it says, is it? All right? Words do matter. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, look what he tells them to do. Look at verse 8. He commissions them to do the same thing that he's done. Why? So that it points back to him being sent by God the Father. Now, you, I'm sure you remember this, but over in Corinthians, Paul says the Jews require a sign. And that kingdom was being given to Israel. So you know what the Lord does? He goes, these, these works that I'm doing, they testify of me. The works that I'm, in other words, his, you know what he's saying in so many words, the actions back up the words. Right? Now, now, all that said, uh, let me give you one more thought about this, and we'll kind of move on to more practical. We'll end with a practical thought, but look at Mark 16 for a more doctrinal uh, uh, thing here for just a moment. Mark 16. Mark 16. Mark 16, verse number 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing. By the way, uh, Paul gets bit by a serpent on, the, on that island. Remember that, guys? The island, is it Melita? Did I get that right? Is that the name of the island? Uh, uh, he, gets, he gets bit by a serpent, a viper, and he's okay. Uh, they shall drink any deadly thing. It shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So on and so forth. Now, look at verse 20. Why were those signs given? Look at the end of the, at the, end of the verse. They're given to confirm the word of God. Now, let me, let me just stop for a moment and say this. We have also now a more sure word of prophecy. You say, what is it? The completion of the scriptures themselves. I don't have to have signs to prove that I'm saved. Why? I've got the scriptures on it. Uh, I'm not an apostle. You know, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the works of an apostle you've seen wrought among you. Talking about the works that he did. All right? I'm not one of the apostles, therefore I don't have those signs. The reason the apostles had those signs is because, you know what's, while they're doing this stuff, this, the, the Acts of the Apostles over here, guys, do you know what, you know, keep in mind, you know what's uh, in Acts chapter 1? Do you realize what's not in Acts 1? You know, you know what's not in Acts 2? You know what's not in Acts 3? You know what not, is not there in Acts 4, 5, 6, 7, 8? You know what's not there? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. <laughs> Acts isn't written yet. They're living through it, all right? Uh, uh, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians. You don't have any of Paul's writings until after Acts 9. He doesn't get saved till Acts 9. So do you know what you've got? All you've got is the Old Testament. Now they're coming with a new message going, hey, trust us. Believe us. We walked with Jesus. And they go, well, we want to see proof. Let me raise someone that's dead. Would that work for you? All right. I don't need to do that anymore because I've got the scriptures. All right. Uh, and they didn't have that. So all that said, I, I want to close with this thought, though. All right. And here's the thought, real practical thought. You're not saved by works, are you? All right. That's weak. Try again. Are you guys saved by works? All right. That's a little bit better. All right. Uh, now it sounds like you had your coffee. All right. So so. Look at Acts, or I'm sorry, uh, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter number two. Ephesians chapter two. And the Bible says in Philippians, we don't have time to go there, but it says this in Philippians, work out your own salvation. Work out your own salvation. It does not say, now again, 
That's a, that's a big deal. If I said work for your own salvation, would that not change all the context? It doesn't say work for, it says work it out. Why? Because it's inside of you. But it needs to be brought out. Because if it's inside and it's covered, it does no one around you any good. Well, I'm saved. Well, good for you. Good for you. But what about everybody else? Right? Uh, look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. By the way, I think it's very short sighted to go, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm saved, that's good enough for me. You say that now, wait till you get there. Wait till you get in front of Jesus Christ and you sit in front of him at the judgment seat of Christ. You're not going to be like, well, I'm just glad I'm here. You're going to go, I wish I'd done what I could have done. Uh, now look at Ephesians chapter 2 and look at verse number 8. For, and it's a very well-known verse. I understand it. We're going to read it anyways. For by grace you are saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the what? Yes. You receive a gift. You don't work for it, right? Not of works. It's very clear, lest any man should boast. However, look at verse 10. For we are his what? Now, you're not saved by works, but you're his work. Now, you're, you're, you're his restoration project. You're his DIY. Do it yourself. The Lord does DIYs better than anybody else. All right? You're his project, and you are going to end up perfect someday. It doesn't look like it right now. Okay? But someday it will be. Now, look at verse number, uh, same verse, uh, verse number 10, uh, which God uh, 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 created in Christ Jesus unto what? So you're created not by good works, but you're created unto them. Why? Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Walk in what? Good works. You're not saved by them. But you know what those works do? They point others to the truth. And, and we're very clear. Look, I'm going to be real clear with you. You do not prove your salvation by your works. The reason I say that is because you can live a lousy life as a saved person and, and not do that at all. And we still have flesh to deal with. The flesh is still there. However, if you want to be an effective uh, 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 resource for the Lord Jesus Christ on this planet, you know what you do? You say, okay, now that I'm saved, I've got this great thing inside of me. I'm going to work it out. You know what that means when someone's a jerk at work? I don't respond to them like they responded to me. Right? Amen. I watch what I say. Why? Because I'm, I'm supposed to be pointing people to him. By my words, by my actions, by my intentions, by, see, it's not just like, well, I got the Bible and I know, you know, how to rightly divide it. It's okay, but they're watching you. And you ought to, you, you listen, listen, whether you realize it or not, you're a witness, like I said earlier. You, you might as well be a good witness for Jesus Christ. I, listen, I, you know what I don't want? I, I don't want someone going, you're a Christian? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I never would have guessed that. Now, now, you may go, well, not me, preacher. Well, praise the Lord. But here's the thing. When you leave these doors, understand this much. It's not brother and sister. It's just a lost world. And every once in a while, you bump into a Christian that's a lost sheep that doesn't know their Bible from a hole in the ground, and they could really use some help. And you know what it takes? It takes you saying, you know what? I'm not saved by good works, but, man, I am created unto them. God put me here so that I can be a testimony for Jesus Christ. Why? So I can be a witness for him. All right, let's all stand. We'll have a word of prayer and be dismissed. Father, we thank you for the time in Bible study. Lord, I pray you bless the next hour, Lord. Pray that you bless our fellowship. And Lord, I pray that these truths will become real to us, Lord. As, Lord, if even for our Savior, Lord, uh, the greater witness that he points to is, is his actions. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to, to follow him a little bit more closely. Lord, not because it's a fad, Lord, but to truly ask ourselves, what would, what would he say? What would he do? 
How would he think? How would he respond? Lord, that's how we want to live. Pray you help us to do that so we can be a right witness for you. Lord, as we go through this, these, these chapters in, in John verse by verse, I pray that your Holy Spirit would bear witness, Lord, to what the preacher is saying to your people. But without that, it does them no good. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We'll take a break there.